Hi, this is Brenda Yoder, and welcome to the Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast. I'm a speaker, counselor, coach, and author of Fledge, Launching Your Kids Without Losing Your Mind. And I'm excited to do our very first interview here on Life Beyond the Picket Fence with author and speaker, Sarah Forgrave. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Brenda. How are you today? I'm doing good, and I'm so excited you're here. Um, Sarah is a mom, a author, and a speaker. Um, I'm so excited to highlight her brand new book called Prayers of Hope for Caregivers. It is her second book. Her first book, Prayers for Hope and Healing, released um, by Harvest House Publishers in 2017. And Sarah, I'm just so excited to share this book with others because um, as a counselor, I actually work with a lot of women who are caregivers in multiple roles. So um, let's just get started real quickly. Sarah, I know that you have had a role as being a caregiver in your life. So um, from your experience and in your passion for giving um, caregivers and uh, people hope and healing, what are some of the struggles you think caregivers deal with the most? Oh, goodness. I think there are so many struggles that could be listed as the most. Um, just quick background, I sh I've provided short-term caregiving roles, both for my sister and my son. Um, my sister went through a heart transplant, and so I was her primary contact for that. I housed her in the month afterward. Um, I had a, a brand new baby and a toddler boy in my home at that time. And then later, just a few years ago, my son went through an emergency hospitalization and infection that grew at an alarming rate and became life-threatening. We spent quite a bit of time in the ICU. And so between those experiences, as well as watching my parents uh, grapple with my sister's health issues, she had cancer when we were kids, I've witnessed a lot uh, from the caregiving perspective. And one of the key things that I think comes to mind first for caregivers is just physical exhaustion because we are not sleeping well. There's a lot that is uh, that we are taking care of. We are not only caring for someone, but often normal life is continuing as usual. And because we're not the person who's sick, we're kind of expected to keep up with it all still. So there's a lot of physical exhaustion, but there's a lot of emotional struggles as well. Guilt, questions of, if I'm, am I doing enough? Maybe we feel inadequate. Maybe there's some bitterness or depression going on, especially if the person that we're caring for is bitter or depressed, that can start to seep in. And with that is sometimes a loss of identity even, you know, depending on how enmeshed you are in that situation with your care recipient, you can start to lose a sense of who you are in that process. Your, your old life has, has kind of just taken a back seat. It feels like a, a shadow and you have no glimpses of that anymore. There's financial strain. You know, when my son came from home from the hospital, I just thought, how are we going to pay these medical bills? And you have situations where you know, maybe with my sister's cancer when we were kids, um, the medical bills are overwhelming and yet the caregivers are the ones who are spending time away to help that person. And so your means of income can be disrupted. And I think isolation or loneliness is another big one. You 
are cut off a lot of times from your social connections, so your friends and family. Um, you may feel cut off from God, you know, struggling with bitterness or just um, isolation or asking him questions about just deeper faith questions as well. So there's, there's a broad range. I don't know that there's one that stands out above the others. I think it probably differs for each person and the specific situation they're in. Yeah, I would really affirm all that, Sarah. And I love how you shared from your own experiences, you have seen it really from all these different angles. Um, as a child watching your parents go through caregiving for a child and then being a caregiver yourself for your sister and then also for your son. I also really appreciate the notation of um, isolation of how lonely it can feel as a caregiver because everyone else's life goes on and people don't really see the role of the caregiver. They see the, um, the pain of the recipient, um, of the care recipient, but not the role of the caregiver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my sister, I remember during her heart transplant, she waited in the hospital for about six weeks for a new heart. And I, I spent a lot of time there with her. And I remember her telling me during that time that she felt like she was almost surrounded by this bubble of grace and, and peace. And she had so many people praying for her. And it got me thinking that we surround the person who's sick in that way, and yet we often forget that caregiver, and they're sitting right next to that person, and they're impacted. And like I said, they're, they're still trying to keep their normal lives afloat because they're expected to. And so we tend to forget they need that bubble of grace and peace surrounding them too in those prayers. You're exactly right. And that's one of the reasons as a counselor and even as a friend, I am um, very appreciative of your book because um, I have been on that secondary role to the caregiver often of um, helping them in their pain and their loss in their, in their identity, but also in self-care. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of self-care for, well, for everyone. But I think um, for myself as a counselor, I play um, kind of a, a professional role in caregiving in, in a smaller way, not in a way of, of um, crisis necessarily. But when you walk alongside others who are hurting, um, it does take a lot from you. And so that's why I'm so excited about your book that really focuses on the needs of caregivers. And one thing that um, you mentioned that I did want to ask you is about the loss of identity because caregivers wear many different hats and I think they can really get lost in the role of caregiving yet they are still fulfilling the roles of perhaps um, parent or sibling or workers that, you know, a lot of people who are caregiving, just as you mentioned with your parents, um, still have jobs that they have to go to every day, or they have to take some um, a leave of absence, which creates that financial strain that you mentioned. One question I wanted to ask you is how can caregivers care for themselves, especially in these other roles that they play? So what one thing I like to do when I'm working with someone is kind of differentiate between the role of caregiver and then the role of wife or the role of parent or the role of child. Um, so how can they care for themselves, especially in those other roles um, outside of caregiving? 
Mm, you know, I think first of all, we have to acknowledge that we can't do it all. And that's going to require adjusting expectations and recognizing that some things just aren't going to get done to maybe our standards, our usual standards. Um, and so really the first thing is acknowledging that, that I can't do it all. And so that next step is looking at what are the top priorities, what has to get done, and what is just going to have to get put off to the side. I remember back when my sister was battling cancer, she was in a bone marrow transplant. And I don't remember exactly what the situation was, but I remember the outside of our house was under a major remodeling project. And um, I remember my sister coming home from her transplant and the outside of our house being kind of a shell of a house. I, I don't remember exactly. I, I just remember there was no siding on the walls. And that's one of those examples of, you know, some things just had to get put on hold because this was more important. Uh, I remember I was, I turned eight years old when my sister was in her transplant. And I don't remember this at all, but it was apparently written on the back of some photo, family photos that my sister found years later, actually just a few years ago. And she said, Sarah, I never realized that you missed, our family missed your birthday because of my transplant. And mom had written on the back of these photos that we celebrated my birthday a couple weeks later. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I did not even remember that because my parents did an amazing job of making it a great birthday. Mm -hmm. And so I recognized that my parents acknowledged that it just wasn't going to happen. The normal big birthday party wasn't going to happen on my actual birthday, but they still made it special. And that was okay. We just adjusted expectations as a family. Mm -hmm. So look at those top priorities. What is most important? And what can you let slide? I am a perfectionist when it comes to cleaning my house. But frankly, in certain seasons, I just have to let those expectations go. It's just not the most important thing. And then do what you can when you can. Um, I'm a big proponent of setting up your environment for self-care so that when you do have those moments and those blocks of time to take care of yourself, it's already available and ready and waiting for you. Um, and then seek help if you need it. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. There are probably, hopefully, at least someone recognizing your struggle and asking for help. But if not, then maybe you have friends that just aren't aware of your struggle. And it's maybe that's a sign that you need to reach out and let them know that you need some help. My mom did a great job of that as well. Uh, when I was a child, I remember a few different friends that took care of me a lot. You know, I would spend time at their house before school or after school. And that was a huge help to my mom. And she had to do that. She needed to rely on others to get through that time. Mm -hmm. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I love seeing, especially faith communities, um, that see the need to be able to support caregivers who are in different roles. I think particularly of some groups that have formal ministries for families who are fostering, you know, have foster children. And so there's a support network of them as foster parents, because that's another aspect of caregiving. I think sometimes we think of caregiving as, you know, kind of following up with someone who's in the hospital, but caregiving really covers a wide variety of relationships and 
experiences with people, whether it's professionally or personally. And um, I love the idea, Sarah, that you, you shared of being proactive of setting up the self-care environment so that when you do have the time, it's right there. And some people don't even know where to start with some of that because so many caregivers really, truly get a lot of their pleasure and joy from caring for others. So caring for themselves feels almost um, like they're doing something wrong. But um, I love that so much of your message as a speaker and as a writer really is about um, healthy and holistic care. So we just have a few more minutes here, and, and I want to ask you this question because I know as an author, all writers have this passion that is inside of them for why they write a book. And so I wanted to ask you, what is the greatest need that you hope caregivers will receive through prayers of hope? Mm. I hope that they will have a greater awareness of God's presence with them right now where they are, that whatever their struggle, whether it is physical exhaustion, isolation, um, depression, worry, stress, financial strain, whatever it is, I want them to know that God is with them right now. He is working, he is moving, and he longs to bring them comfort And so as they pray through the prayers in this book, my prayer is that it will open their eyes to see a glimpse of him, to to almost put that bubble that we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. to surround them with it too, not just the person next to them, but to surround them with it so that they can experience his peace and comfort. I love that. And Sarah, I was just thinking as you were sharing about the prayers that you have written for them and your hopes through those is that you have really done the work that caregivers really aren't able to do for themselves in those moments. Sometimes they're so exhausted, they may not even know what they need, or they don't have the words to be able to really pray. And you have done all of that for them, and you've graciously done it through your own experiences and your heart for caregivers. And um, that truly is a gift for others. That was my that was my prayer as well that you know when we go through difficult seasons whether it's caregiving or sickness ourselves sometimes we are so overwhelmed or um, burdened that we don't know what to pray and so really this book and my first book as well is about giving voice to those prayers that are deep in our hearts but we don't quite know how to put into words in the moment and that truly is is often a gift that we give to others as writers that we aren't really aware of what we're doing, putting words to feelings and experiences that others need and they have validated through seeing it on the page. And that's what you've done. Sarah, I want want to make sure that our listeners find out where they can learn more about the book, more about you and your ministry. Do you want to share some of that information with them? Sure. So my website really is the best, I guess, launching point to find out all of those things. So it's sarahforgrave.com and um, Sarah with an H at the end of it. And you can find out about me. I have a book page where you can link to resources uh, for both of my books. I share tons of resources and articles, help and encouragement, not only for the person 
that I have written the book for, but also for those friends and family members who want to know how to help them. Um, so you can find all of that on my website, sarahforgrave.com, as well as links to Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all those places that you might want to connect with me as well. Great. And I'm excited to um, share a guest post that you've written for my blog, Live Beyond the Picket Fence at brendayoder.com. And I just know that as a um, care provider myself, that I'm going to be purchasing several copies of your book to be able to give to those who are caring for others as a practical and very spiritual tool, very uh, soul nurturing tool for them to be able to use um, in their season of caregiving. There's always a season of respite that is needed even after those um, months of caregiving or years of caregiving are over. Um, it really is a role that fills a lot of time and energy in someone's space. So when, even when that role is no longer there, um, there's a, a loss and a transition in that time also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, this book... No, go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, so I was just going to say, I love your, your comment about getting multiple copies because that really is, I think, the heart of how it is designed is to be a gift and mm -hmm. to give us a, a tangible way to reach out to those in our lives that we know who are going through those seasons. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. Thank you, Brenda. I want to encourage all of the listeners um, at the Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast to um, get a copy of Prayers of Hope for Caregivers by Sarah Forgrave. And I want you to please um, check out her work at sarahforgrave.com and connect with her on social media and get a copy of her book and then do exactly what we just mentioned, share it with the caregivers in your life. Thank you so much for joining us today.